campus. Help us welcome all of our family out in Fairview. Help me welcome our Fairview campus to the service this morning. Come on, give him praise, church. Give him glory. Yes, amen. I want you to grab your Bibles real quickly. Grab your Bibles, remain standing, and turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter number 30. 1 Samuel chapter number 30. Most of you remember last week we... We, we, we dove into a subject that's a dark subject. Uh, it's a difficult subject, but apparently it is a, it is a universal subject. I, I, my phone has blown up. My Facebook has blown up. It seems that we, we're either dealing with it, going through it, or we're connected to someone who is or has or so forth. And uh, and I and I believe I believe we we we've, we've touched uh, an area. I, I, we, how many of y'all know the devil's fighting like crazy? Yes. Right. Right. And one of the places he's fighting like crazy is out in Fairview. Right. And uh, and and Brother Andrew said this: the lion always knows when someone's in his territory. Yeah. Well, I'm here to tell you: if you jerk on the devil's tail, he's gonna bark. Amen. And we're gonna keep jerking. We're going, to keep, we're going to keep doing everything we can to let people know greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Amen. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Now here's what I want to do today. I want to try to tackle one of, the, one of the symptoms, one of the issues that we deal with when we're struggling. Uh, one of the things we said last week was people are feeling overwhelmed with the circumstances of life overwhelmed and and i need you to pray for me too we had uh, two great meetings this week dealing with what we can do about this uh we have another one coming up this week that's going to give us some more direction and 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 a little foundation uh and 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 we're going to need all the prayer and support we can get because we need to stand and make a difference amen and so be praying about that and be praying about what we can do i know there's some things we can't do I know we're limited. I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not a psychologist. I can't, I can't uh, give a prescription for me. I can't do any of that kind of stuff. But what I can do, we will do. Amen? Amen. And there are some things we know and we've learned from God's Word. And one of, the, one of the things that we talked about last week, we can find in God's Word what to do about it. When you're overwhelmed with this, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, most people, they want to connect uh, suicide with depression. And it's always, it's just depressed people that this happens to. But that's not so. It's happening to people who have no history of depression, no issues with, but all of a sudden, life is crashing in around them, and they don't know how to cope with what they're going through. Well, we're going we're gonna to see an issue today that is very similar to that type of situation and what David did about it. How many of y'all are with me? Say amen. amen. Last year, I taught this subject. Last year, I taught this lesson in a more detailed way on a Wednesday night, and, and I had an hour to do it. I don't have that today. I have to give you the condensed version of this deal, so I need you to pray for me that I'll say the stuff I'm supposed to say, and if you'd like to go look at it, it's in February of last year on our website. Listen, it's the whole uh, lesson in detail. I would encourage you to do that, but let me give you some of the highlights this morning. Are you with me? Say amen. Let's look in 1 Samuel chapter 30. In verse number one, <clears throat> verse number one, and it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire. 
And they had taken the women captives and that were therein. They slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire. And their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captive. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. They had cried and they had wept and they had mourned to the point that they had no more tears to cry. And David's two wives were taken captive, Ahinoam the Jezreelitess and Abigail the wife of Nabal the Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed. Say that with me. And David was greatly distressed. Now let's keep in mind, this is the same young man who in his teenage years went down in a valley all by himself without any support, without any help, without any backup whatsoever and took on a giant that was nine and a half feet tall and killed the giant fearlessly and courageously. But now he is greatly distressed, greatly distressed. The word distressed there means in great pain, severely afflicted. We find David in a situation where his wives have been taken captive. Everything he has has been destroyed and burnt. David was greatly distressed. For the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people were grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. Now I want you to read this with me. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Let's read it again. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being in your house. I thank you for the crowd that's here this morning. Lord, we're coming to hear from you. We're coming because we need help. We're coming because we need encouragement. We're coming because the devil's raging and the world's gone crazy. Lord, we're coming because we're your children. And you said for us to seek you when we need you. You said for us to cast our care upon you because you truly care for us. Well, Father, we ask for your anointing this morning. We ask for your touch. I pray, God, that you'll give me the words I need to say. I pray that you'll put a hedge about this place and keep the devil away. I pray that you'll move in such a way that we can feel your presence, we can hear your word, and we can encourage ourselves in our Lord. I pray your perfect will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> I don't have the time to give you the background history like I would like to, but let me, tell you, let me tell you just a little bit about David's situation leading up to this point. You see, David, David is a man after God's own heart. David is a man that was chosen by God because of his heart and what was on the inside of him. Man looks on the outside, but God looks on the inside. God passed up all of his brothers to get down to David because there was something in David, listen, that he saw. Everybody else seen a little shepherd boy, but God seen a king. Amen. And we find he's anointed. We find Samuel comes, and he sends the anointing, and he pours the anointing oil on David. And David, he has the favor of God on him. He has the power of God on him. He has the Spirit of God in him. David is a man who's seen victory in his life. 
David is the one we said that went down in the valley and killed the giant. He won the heart of the king. He won the heart of the people. He, had, uh, he, be, he became the son-in-law to the king, King Saul. There was a time that people would chant his name. There was a time when they would cry out, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his ten thousands. David was a rock star in the nation of Israel. And then things begin to turn. Listen, the tide began to turn, and Saul began to be jealous, and Saul began to look at David as an enemy. Let me tell you something. When people see that what they used to have is not on them anymore, the Spirit of God had departed from Saul. And when people who don't have it see those who do have it, they become a secret enemy. Listen, there's going to be people that's going to be your enemy, not because you've done anything against them, but because you have something they desire. And he begins to chase David. He begins to try to hunt David down. Two different times he throws a spear at him and tries to kill him. Now David's on the run for his life. He's been rejected by his nation. He's been rejected by his king. And all he did was try to support the one that he loved dearly. He's hiding in caves. People begin to gravitate to him. The outcasts begin to gravitate to him. The, the riffraff begin to gravitate to him. And he gets a band of men and a band of followers. And he says, well, if my nation, if my nation won't accept me, I'll go to the other. So he went to King Achish of, of the Philistines and, and, and began to fall on their side. King Achish gives them the land Ziklag, a city to dwell in. So there he is, an outcast. There he is, the riffraff who has been run out of his own nation, run away from his own people. And now he goes to war. And I'm, I'm trying to hurry this up. He goes to war with the Philistines. The Philistines said, uh-uh, you're not coming with us. You're not coming with us. We, we, we already know what they used to cry about you. You may turn against it. You cannot come with us. So now he's rejected by King Achish. King Achish sends him back home. And here they are. He's been rejected by King Saul. He's been rejected by his own nation. Everywhere he turns, people are turning their nose up to him. Even Nabal, if that's a whole other story. He, he, he showed kindness to this man, Nabal, a wealthy man. And Nabal treated him wickedly and evil, and he was rejected by Nabal. Everywhere David turns, he's facing rejection. He's feeling rejected. And now he comes back. They're marching three days. Three days they're marching home. How many of y'all have been away from home on vacation or on a trip somewhere and then, and then you're, you're coming up the interstate and you see exit 310 just 30 miles away? And, 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 and you're almost home. Man, now I can rest and now I'll be able to feel at home. I can't wait to be home. I can't wait to sleep in my own bed. And all of a sudden they're coming up. They're coming up the trail. They're coming up the path. They're, they're coming up the road, excited to be able to be home. And, and just over the hill is home. Just over the hill is our children. Just over the hill is our family. They're going to welcome us home. I can't wait to be home. And all of a sudden, they see smoke rising on the other side of the hill. And their eyes begin to look, and they begin to look at each other. And they begin to panic in their feelings. What in the world's going on? What's happening? And maybe they pick up their pace a little bit. Maybe they start running a little bit to get over the hill to find out what's going on. And when they get over the hill, they see utter devastation. They see nothing but burnt down huts, nothing but burnt down debris. And everything they have is gone. 
All of their wealth is gone. All of their family is gone. Everything they had in this world has been burnt to the ground. Are y'all with me this morning? I want you to see the difficulty. The difficulty he experienced. The difficulty he experienced. One of the, one of the, one of the, the hardest things to deal with in life, guys, is rejection. Rejection. When you show love to someone and they don't show it back, when you show affection to someone and they don't show it back, rejection is a difficult thing to deal with. There are young people, there are teenagers right now that are con contemplating suicide because a boyfriend or a girlfriend has rejected them. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you young people, young ladies, there isn't a boy alive that's worth your life. I don't care how handsome he is. I don't care how good looking he is. I don't care how popular he is. There's a bunch of fish in the sea. Let the turkey walk. And same goes both ways. Man, there's a bunch of there's a bunch of girls out there for you fellas. There's a bunch of boys out there for you girls. Don't waste your time on somebody that'll walk away. If they can walk away, honey, let them walk. I know rejection's terrible. I, I hate that feeling of rejection. I want everybody to like me. I, 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 want, I want to be friends with everybody. I don't want nobody not to like Temple or be, be for Temple. But you know what? Reality is, re rejection's just going to happen. And here he's facing rejection. Not only is he facing rejection, he's facing extreme fatigue. They've been marching for three days. And they're extremely fatigued. Extre I mean, just talking about wore out. Now, here's the thing, guys. Most of us are having the problems we're having because our schedules are too full. And we'll say, I know it, but then we won't do nothing about it. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help y'all with something. I'm going to help y'all with something. Now, I'm going to help y'all with a word that's going to transform your life. I'm talking, about, I'm talking about it's going to transform your life. This is going, you're going to have a revelation. I mean, it's going to like, uh, like lightning come down from heaven. And whoa! Right, are y'all ready for this word? Y'all are not ready. Are y'all ready for this word? Are y'all ready for this word? Watch this. No! Can we go? No. Will you have? No. I need you on this committee. No. You say, I can't hardly say no. The more you say it, the easier it gets. We're killing ourselves, guys. We're filling up our schedules with everything in the world, and most of it is good stuff that we need to turn away for the best stuff. We're like Martha, who's cumbered about with much serving. Listen, it looked like, it looked like Mary was wasting her time because all she was doing is sitting at the feet of Jesus. All she was doing is sitting there listening. All she was doing, it seemed like doing nothing. And Martha couldn't stand it. And Jesus said, hold up, sister. You're cumbered about with much serving. You're doing some good stuff. But Mary had chosen the best.
I'm telling you, guys, I'm telling you, don't, don't say, I know, I know, I know, I know, I, I know I need to stop this, or I know I we just we got our kids in too much, so I know, I know. Don't keep saying that and don't do something about it. I kind of feel like the, I kind of feel like the doctor that chewed me out last year. I went to the doctor and got shots. Had strep throat and everything. And 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 what's the last thing they tell you when they give you that prescription? Say it again. Take it all. Well, I almost did. <laughs> I started feeling better and I thought, hey, I got this. Ain't no problem. And I had a relapse. And I come back. Ooh, I should have went to a different one. <laughs> and didn't tell him. I'm talking about, I'm talking about he flew in the room like, like Kramer did on Seinfeld. He had fire in his eyes. And he said, you didn't take all the medicine. And I almost lied. He scared me. He said, you got to take all the medicine. If you're not going to take all the medicine, this is what he said. Don't even come back in here. You know, he's frustrated because he's here doing his job and telling you what to do and want to get well because, see, the thing about doctors is in order, in order to love people, you got to hate sickness, and he hates sickness, and I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do, and he got frustrated because I said, I know, I know. He was tired of hearing, I know. Stop coming and telling people, I know, if you're not going to do something about it. I don't know why I got on all that. That wasn't even in the notes, but I, you needed to hear it. <clears throat> I know I need to go on a date with my wife or my husband. Well, do it. Right, here's a, here's a, let me give you a revelation, too. You know that time that's going to be that good time? Well, we're, going, we're waiting for when we get time. Guess what? You'll never have it. If you don't do it on purpose, you won't do it. So say no. Say no. They're dealing with fatigue. They're dealing with rejection. Listen, they're dealing with grief. Grief. Grief is a terrible, terrible thing. Sometimes, now listen, let me, let me, let me rephrase that. Grief can be a terrible, terrible thing. But it is given to us as a means and a mode of healing. But here they are, they've lost their family. They've lost, they've lost everything they have. They're totally fatigued. They're rejected everywhere they turn. Are y'all kind of feeling them now? And now they're grieving. They don't know if their wives are living or dead. They don't know if their children's living or dead. They don't know if they're slaves. They don't know anything. And they begin to weep. And they begin to cry. And they, listen, they become just basically incapacitated. They cry so much that they don't even have tears. And they just got, listen, they just got the dry heat. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? So broken, so hurting, so in pain that you can't even cry anymore. Not only are they dealing with, with fatigue and, 
and, and listen, extreme grief. Listen, here we find the, 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 the kicker of it all. The Bible says that the people begin to talk and the people begin to murmur and, and they begin to say, let's kill David. And the Bible says that David was greatly distressed. He was under so much pressure. He was under so much stress because not only, now remember this, he lost his family too. He's hurting too. He's grieving too. He's tired too. He's stressed to the max and now they want to kill him. Listen, people will do crazy stuff when they're hurting. People will lash out on the very people they need the most. If there was every time they needed a leader, if there was every time they needed a captain, if there was every time they needed somebody with the hand of God on them, it was right then. And I'm telling you, people will do crazy things when they're hurting. And now, can you feel this morning, just for a second, can you feel this morning what David is experiencing, can you feel his pain? Can you feel the pressure he is under, the stress that he is under? He's lost everything he has. He's greatly fatigued, and his, his, his closest people want to kill him. Number two, not only the difficulty <clears throat> he experienced, but number two, I want you to see, look in verse number verse number. Uh, verse number 6. I want you to see the decision he employed. And David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man for his son and for his daughters. Now read it with me. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. Let me say it again. Let me say it again. Come on. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Are y'all with me? Now let me let me say this. Let me say this. Uh, I read a commentary, and this this was in it, and I, it, it was profound. Life will do to you what life finds in you. Life will do to you what life finds in you. What does that mean? You have, you have two different people here who are experiencing the very same thing. Y'all with me? Stay with me. Don't lose me. I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. You have two different people here who are experiencing the very same thing. They are experiencing the loss of their family. They are experiencing stress and grief. They are experiencing rejection, both of them together. But there's something different in them. And because there's something different in them, they respond in a different way. You have one group over here who is saying, let's stone him. Who's to blame for this? Who's to blame for this? It is amazing in our life when tragedy happens, when problems happen, the first thing we want to do is find someone to blame. We want to find out whose fault it is. We want to find out who's responsible for my pain, who's responsible for my hurt. And then we go, on a, we go on a quest to see if I can hurt the one who has hurt me, if I can make that person feel what I feel, if I can just get back at them. I want them to hurt like they've hurt me. Why do we do that? 
Why do we seek to, listen, why do we seek to find who is to blame? Why do we seek to, to find who is responsible? Because the devil has told us a lie. The devil has told us a lie and said, if you can get vengeance, if you can hurt them, if I can hurt them like they hurt me, then my hurt will go away. And that's just not so. I want to stone David. I want to kill David. And they, they tragically had the idea if they killed David, then their pain would go away. And this is a whole other message. I'm not even going to go there with it, but you need to understand this right here. You need to understand this right here. The only way to take your pain away is to forgive the one that hurt you. It's not by seeking vengeance. It's not trying to find who's responsible. The only way that your hurt is going to be healed, the only way that your pain is going to go away is if you allow God to supernaturally help you forgive the offender that hurt you. And I'm telling you, pain will cease and God will bring healing in your life. You have people on this side saying, let's stone him because what's in them. Listen, life will do to you what life finds in you. But over here on this side, you find a man who is greatly distressed. You find a man who is greatly grieving. You find a man who is fatigued. You find a man who's being threatened with his life. But what does he do? He doesn't say, fellas, please stop. Fellas, I don't deserve this. Fellas, all that I've ever done for you, how could you do this to me? He didn't do any of that stuff. He said, bring me the ephod. And the ephod is how they communicated with God. You see, uh, uh, there were different colored stones in that pouch that the priest wore. And, and it was kind of like, God, if you want me to do this, and the color would say yes or the color would say no. And what did he do? Instead of turning on his neighbor, he went to God. Now, I want to I help you with this, guys. I'm telling you. There's going to come a day in your life you're going to have to make a decision. And you're going to have to quit listening to Satan. You're going to have to quit listening to the devil. You're going to have to quit listening to the world. You're going to have to quit listening to your friends that probably mean well, but they're giving you bad advice. Are y'all with me? Say amen. You say, preacher, what did he do? If you're taking notes, write this down. The first thing he did was ignore his circumstances. The first thing he did was ignore his circumstances. He didn't even answer them. They said, let's kill him. They, he didn't answer them at all. He didn't look at his circumstances at all. He didn't look at the huts at all. He didn't look at what it looked like on the outside. He just went straight to God with his issue. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you, there's going to be days in your life that you're going to have to ignore the circumstances. There's going to be days in your life you're going to have to ignore what the doctor said. You're going to have to ignore what the bullies say. You're going to have to ignore what the critics say. You're going to have to ignore the noise around you that's coming and crushing around you and trust that God is in control. Listen, you're going to have to see things that are not as they are. Jacob was looking down at the bloody coat. And oh, the devil was saying, your son is destroyed. Your life is over. You'll never be happy again. But oh, Jacob needed to ignore what he saw because that was not his son's blood on that coat. 
The devil will tell you you're going down. The devil will tell you you'll never get up again. The devil will tell you you've done gone too far this time. The situation's too bad and it's too hard and the ship's going down. But you serve a Savior. You serve a God who can step on the bow of your boat and say, peace be still and the calm. Oh, say amen. I don't care what they said, ignore them. I don't care what the bully said, ignore them. I don't care who the rejectors are, ignore them. I don't care who has turned their back on you, ignore the situation and go to the source. Go to the source. Listen, he ignored the circumstances. Then the second thing, write this down, this is important. Some of you are going to get mad right here, uh, but, but I, I'm praying you'll just get the, get, the, get the point. He ignored the circumstances. Then, then B, he took initiative he took initiative the Bible says David encouraged himself he encouraged himself now I'm going to tell on myself a minute my mom's sitting right here on the front row the first time I was ever exposed to this word initiative I wasn't familiar with it. <clears throat> How many of y'all went to school or went to where, where you went to school? They had them things called progress reports. All they were were death warrants. How many of y'all had parents that y'all were still in the whooping age? Well, see, if we brought a, a bad report home, a progress report or, or a report card. It was bad. And, 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 and that progress report had two columns on it. It had the academic and it had the behavioral. And, and, and if you ever got a check, a bad thing in the academic, that's bad. But oh God. Have mercy on our soul if we got checked in the behavior column. Can anybody relate to what I'm saying? I was on the bus coming home, and I looked at my progress report, and there was a check on the, on the behavior side. And I said, oh, God, no. There's no way. This can't be. I, that, that's a, and, and so how many of y'all know as a teenager, as a young person, is, that you start formulating your plan? You start coming up with your idea of what you're going to say when you get home. I busted through the doors and I handed my progress report to my mom. And I said, Mom, I don't care what you read. I don't care what that says. That woman ain't never like me. She hates people. I think she hates Christians. She found out I was a preacher's kid. That woman don't know nothing about what she's talking about. I don't know why she put that on my... And mom's reading my progress report. And she says, what are you talking about? I said, she checked that box that says I was inattentive. <laughs> and see, I thought that woman was saying I didn't pay attention. I said, mom, I pay attention every single day. She looked at it. She said, you big dummy, this says initiative. I said, what? 
She said initiative, that means you do something before they have to ask you. You just take the initiative and get it done. I said, she's a good woman, mama. <laughs> she knows exactly what she's talking about. I had her confused with someone else. I'm sorry, y'all probably heard that story before, but it just made me feel good to tell it again. <clears throat> How many of y'all know there's going to be times in your life you're just going to have to take initiative? There's not going to be somebody there. There's not going to be somebody there to hold your hand. There's not going to be somebody there to call. There's not going to be somebody there to visit. When we get bent out of shape, when none of that stuff happens, when God is saying, I am your source. If we're dependent on other people, if we're dependent on, on human, frail people who will make mistakes, if you're dependent totally on them for your help and your support and, and for your fulfillment, you're going to be sadly mistaken. Because I don't care how good they are. I don't care how concerned they are. They're humans at best, and they will fail you. I remember when I was in Bible college, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it was the first time in my life I felt alone. All my life, I hung out with my cousins or my brother or people, friends. I, I was never at a place where I was alone. And my first semester in Bible college, before I, I got a job or anything, man, I'd go to the Waffle House and hang out and act like I was reading the paper just to be around people because I felt alone. My father wasn't there. My mother wasn't there. My brother wasn't there. Nobody was there. It was me and God. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you, you will find yourself in a place where there's nobody there. There's nobody to call. There's nobody to come over. There's nobody to pray for you. There's going to be times in your life where you're going to have to find a place where you can get on your knees and find the presence of God on your own. He took initiative. He encouraged himself in the Lord. You know why he did? Because his circumstances were not encouraging. His friends were not encouraging. His circuit, listen, everything was crashing in around him, but he knew that there was a God. He knew that there was a Savior who loved him more than anything, and he went to God with his issues. Let me tell you another revelation, since we've got so many this morning. I'm going to tell you something right now, and you're not going to like this, but I'm telling you this. If God is not your source, He will take what is your source away so He can become your source. And, and, and young lady, God may have took that boyfriend away because you was looking too much to him and not to him. God may have taken that young lady out of your life because you were too consumed with that person and not with your Creator. God may have taken that job away because you was too consumed with the job. You was too dependent on a job. You was too dependent on what man had to offer. And God is trying to show you that he is the king. He is your father. He is your supply. He is your everything. And when everything was taken away from David, he knew he could encourage himself in the Lord. Are y'all with me? Listen, he took initiative. He's took, let's quit whining and take initiative. Let's quit complaining and take initiative. Let's quit blaming. I, I, I'm, I'm about sick and tired of hearing people post on Facebook how sorry Christians are, why they're not going to church. You're not going to stand before Christians. Christians didn't die for you. Christians didn't bleed for you. Christians didn't leave heaven and become a man and was mutilated and just brutalized on a cross so you could be forgiven. 
If you're coming for Christian, you're coming for the wrong reason anyway. I love this one. I'm not going to church because all the hypocrites. Well, you go to Zaxby's with them. Last time I checked, Walmart full of them. Stay out of there. I tell you what, I'd rather go to church with a few hypocrites than hell with all of them. Quit, quit. I'm sorry, I'm bending a little bit. Listen, Christians need to stop criticizing the very thing and the only thing that's going to bring help to a broken world. David didn't have nobody else to turn to. He couldn't turn to his nation. He couldn't turn to his king. He couldn't turn to the enemy that he went to try to get help from. He couldn't turn to his own men. There was nobody left. And I promise you this, sooner or later in your life, you're going to find yourself in a spot when there's nobody left. And you need to understand, there's always somebody. He ignored his circumstances. He took initiative. Somebody say amen. <clears throat> he went to the source. I love the verse that says, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from which cometh my help. I wonder if David was in this situation when he penned those words. I wonder if David was thinking, I can't look nowhere else. I guess I'm just going just, to just look up. I will look into the hills which cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth. All right, all right. Lastly, on that point. <clears throat> I got one more point, but it's short, guys. Here's the deal. You remember when I said that no a while ago? Some of y'all shut down right there. Some of you just shut down because God forbid you stop doing something that you think you're obligated to do. I'm going to say this, and I'm going to say it fast. I got bodyguards at the service, so just keep that in mind. <laughs> the only thing you're obligated to do with your children is feed them, clothe them, train them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, and make them brush your teeth. <laughs> you're not a bad parent if they're not playing in 27 sports every year. But what about so-and-so's kid? You're not raising so-and-so's kids. You're raising your kids. And while you're raising your kids, you're trying to stay married to that person you said I do to first before them youngins come around. All right, y'all chill out. Because this is, the, and I said this to lead up to this point. David, when he went to God, he didn't say, God, make them quit. He didn't say, God, God, make that fire go out. God, make, make them bring our family back home. God, get me out of this. I'll be honest with you, that's been my prayer a ton of times. I wish I was spiritual. I wish I was just, but there's been many times I said, God, just get me out of this. But you know what David did? This is what David did, and this is a kicker, and this is the key. This is the key, guys. You can be mad at me or not, but I'm telling you, if you want to change your life and you're tired of being frustrated and grieved and exhausted and all this kind of stuff, this is what David said. What do you want me to do? 
He sought the will of God. He sought the will of God. If you are greatly distressed today and God tells you you need to thin your calendar and you don't, then don't whine. If God tells you to stop this, or if God tells you to start that, you know why many of us won't go ask God? Because we know what He's going to tell us. It's easier to blame people. It's easier to blame them people that didn't support us in our mind. It's easier to say the church let me down. It's easier to say everybody's wrong than I'm not doing what God told me to do. David said, what do you want me to do? Shall I pursue? What do I do? Listen, the key to getting through the overwhelming circumstances of life is go to God and do what he says. Amen? Boy, y'all, y'all, oh, the looks I'm getting. Let me say this. Let me say this. Y'all can look all you want to look. Satan is behind this. Yes. I, I ain't, ain't going to bow up. I'm just going to keep preaching. <clears throat> Lastly, don't you see the discovery he enjoyed? The difficulty he experienced, the decision he employed, but I want you to see the discovery he enjoyed. Three things, three things right here. Oh, goodness gracious, I'm out of time. <clears throat> Three things. First, he discovered that God was faithful. God was faithful in an answer. He said, pursue. David said, are we going to win? He said, sure enough. <clears throat> That's Alabama translation. Sure enough, you're going you gonna to get it. Not only did he, 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 he was faithful in an answer, he was faithful in an assurance. Y'all with me? He was faithful in his assistance. Look what it says. 1 Samuel 30, verse 18. And David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his two wives, and there was nothing lacking to them, neither small nor great, neither sons nor daughters, neither spoil, nor anything that they had taken to them. David recovered all. All right, all right, all right, all right, watch. I got to say this fast. <clears throat> he got it all. All of it. One moment he's sitting with nothing left in life. Everything's gone. And what did he do? He went to God. He was obedient to what God told him to do. And he recovered. He recovered. In the balcony. He recovered. I can't hear you. He recovered. That's not the end of the story. Watch this. This is the. When they got all the stuff. 
Now, the Amalekites had been invading all the places around them, even the Philistines. They was loaded down with wealth. They was loaded down with stuff. David is anointed to be the next king. What? Oh, mercy. He takes the stuff, all the extra spoil, all the extra wealth and supplies, and he sent it all over Judea. Oh, mercy. And, oh, mercy, I'm feeling God all the way down my spine right now. You see, his setback was a setup for a comeback. Because God, ho, 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 God used the spoil to prepare the path for him to come into the kingdom. Now, I know what you're thinking, but what about Ziklag? It's burnt to the ground. Well, sometimes God's got to burn your past to propel you into your future. Oh, ho, 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 ho. What's the point? The very stress you're going through may be the very thing that's going to propel you into the greatest days of your life. Let me, let me read one more thing because I'm like 10 minutes over. Help us. Watch this. Let me read this one thing quickly, quickly. Can y'all listen quickly? Spurgeon, Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon, called the Prince of Preachers, one of the greatest men of his day. He, he was called to a church at 23, addressing crowds of 5,000 at 30. This was, before, this was before microphones and all that stuff. Y'all with me? Say amen. This is what he wrote. This is what he wrote. Before any great achievement in my life, some measure of depression was very usual. Such was my experience when I first became a pastor in London. My success appalled me, and the thought of that career which seemed to be opening up so far from elating me cast me into the lowest depths out of which I uttered my misery. I found no room for a glory in Excelsius. Who was I that I should continue to lead so great a multitude? I would slip away to my village obscurity or prefer to emigrate to America and find a solitary nest in the backwoods. It was just then... Listen, please listen. It was just then that the curtain was rising on my greatest life's work. I dreaded what it might reveal to me. I hope I was not faithless, but I was timorous and filled with a sense of my own unfitness. This depression sweeps over me whenever the Lord is preparing a larger ministry for my life and ministry. And ladies and gentlemen, some of you are right at the door of your greatest work for God. And when you're right on the verge of God doing something great in your life, the devil is going to attack. And he's going to come against you. But greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And your setback may be a setup for a great comeback for God. Can we give God praise and glory and honor in this place? Give him praise, church. Yes, amen. Yes, amen. Let's do this. Let's do this. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Every head bowed out in Fairview. Every head bowed and every eye closed.